see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit the Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you here on this Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. Good morning, David. I see a really interesting surfboard there behind you. A Gemini by Jeff Alexander, an old buddy of mine. I grew up as a young Grom in Del Mar. Getting cut off by Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> a tradition that you've passed down as part of your legacy <laughs> to the no, next no. Grom behind you. No, no, we've we decided to uh, cut the chain, break the cord, break the chain. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's <laughs> a lot of video footage that I know exists. You, De- you and Devin, you and Ashton in the wave pool. I've seen you burn a few. There, there's no video of me and Devin, nor is there video of Ashton and I. Are you kidding? Should I post it? <laughs> no, let me see it first. You mean the Ashton footage? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, okay, you I didn't, didn't know actually. Fo- you didn't, didn't know actually footage of it. You didn't actually take off on the wave. He was getting barreled, and you paddled into the shoulder and chandeliered the section on him, on Ashton in the wave <laughs> pool. You didn't actually take off on the wave. I stand convicted before you. All right. All right. Good. I apologize. Um, he didn't, he didn't even care. I, I think he did, but he's such a nice guy that he says he doesn't. Uh, he, I right. owe you That's one. exactly right. I owe you um, a bunch. So, yeah, let's, I mean, let's get straight into it then. Jeff Alexander, yeah. what's, yeah. tell me his story as a, well, his background as a designer or shaper. Well, like I said, he was, he's probably, I don't know, five or six or seven years older than I am. So, when I was a young kid growing up in Del Mar, he was one of the older guard guys, you know, and yep. he was always a very fast and dynamic surfer and um, also sort of thinks outside the box as is um, obvious by the surfboard behind you, the, the Gemini. And he was, um, he had a surfboard brand called Fusion back then. And he was known for like, he would, he would skate down the crazy La Jolla shores um, snake run street there going down to the pier and he was just sort of this was back when Del Mar did not have anything east of I-5 so Del Mar was a small little community and um, I mean you know there was a, quite a few guys like Jeff you know older guys that we all looked up to and we're like wow that guy's the shit and Jeff still a great shaper he moved to Hawaii lived on the north shore for probably 15 or 20 years and then moved to Boston Ollie and lived in Indo somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where. And I, I don't even know where he is now. He might be back here in San Diego for all I know. Have you ridden the Gemini? I don't think I've ever ridden one. No. A friend of mine, a couple friends of mine, Lonnie Brothers and Craig Schieber both ride those boards or did ride those boards. And of course, Jeff rips on them. I just have never uh, had one under my feet. I'm not against riding them. And of course, Ryan Birch is sort of you know, taking the design and um, I don't know if he knows Jeff at all, but it'd be cool if you hooked up with Jeff because Jeff's, in my opinion, Jeff is the originator of that design. Well, Jeff is. And it's interesting. The Birch thing is, a, I don't know, 
I mean, it is in the same line of theory and thoughts. So I, I mean, I would have to think that Birch is aware of the Gemini and the connection and built from that um, with any, I think, or with a lot of different types of design, designers tend to go way out on the fringe before coming back to somewhere that's a little bit more um, palatable for the masses. And yeah. so the Gemini looks like it's that experiment way out on the fringe for anybody who's not looking at our YouTube version of this and just listening in the car or something, the, um, the nose, it's like a pickle fork nose. So imagine a drag boat that has those two holes side by side running parallel to one another. That's what the nose of the Gemini looks like. I'd say it comes out about six inches. Um, so it, and then there, it's There's kind concave of, underneath the nose, which is really what the design's about, right? It's about giving your nose in between. lift. Yeah, yeah in it, between, the concaves yeah. in between those. So each of those kind of holes that stick out have belly on them like a, the, the boat would. And then, yeah, a real deep concave between them that funnels it and then kind of um, it goes narrow and then wide again as the board gets wider. So the idea is that, yeah, like Scott said, it lifts, but also propels water like the water getting funneled into that and then out the back kind of works as in it um uh it's just like a rocket yeah an accelerator yeah. so i haven't ridden it ja uh, john lalane is oh has, yeah john he's been yeah, kind of um tinkering with the design took what kind of jeff did and has made his own versions of it and tried to reach new heights with the design. And so I was interviewing him last week and he gave me that one as a board or just as a sample to ride. And he actually wants you to ride it too. How so, big is that board? It's small. Yeah. I need a bigger board. Yeah. It's I need small. a six, six two. Apparently <laughs> with the parallel outline, you can ride smaller boards. No. I mean, maybe I, it seems like every time I talk to a shaper and they're like, oh, no, you can ride a 5.6. Trust me, it's got volume and it's got – I'm like, no, no, trust me, I can't ride a 5.6. Like, it's amazing how, you know, when I was 17 years old, I rode a 6.2. I should be riding a 6.2. Yeah, well, there's a lot more design element going on in this than just that interesting-looking nose. And, and, and just John, saying 6.2 six, six is kind of – it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of – Kind of ignorant. Obviously, there's more to it than the length of the board, but yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's okay. I, I'm not even going to try to detail the design of the board because it is so, uh, I don't know, freakish. But John, uh, when I interviewed John, when I published that, he'll explain it in great detail, way better than I could either. But I have a yeah. question for you, Scott. Hmm. I look at that board. It looks so extreme. It yeah. looks like a spaceship, honestly. And yeah. I asked John, I'm like, okay, well, what's it going to do for my surfing? Because honestly, if it looks that nuts, like the board over here, this album, High Performance Thruster Shortboard, I know yeah. what I can do on that. When I get on the Gemini, am I going to go twice as fast and start doing like 720 airs and flying <laughs> through the air? Like, am I going to like go backwards or something? I mean, is it going to will a barreling wave straight to me? <laughs> I want, or is it going to let me go 3% faster? You know, like it looks so different. Yeah. How much different is my surf experience going to be on it? You tell that's me. A, I that's a great it. question. That is a great question. And I haven't written it either, but I think what it speaks to for me is I'm willing to try anything that gives me a little bit more speed and, and a board that basically goes where my eyes tell the board to go. And that to me is sort of the bar for me personally. 
yeah. you know, and I've been on some ugly looking boards that go exactly where I want it to go without even having to think about it. And I've been on plenty boards that don't do that. And that's sort of the difference between what we would call a magic board and just a normal board. A magic board is that board that puts David where he wants to go and allows him to have tons of speed and to do with that speed uh, what he wants to do at will. And, and certainly, I, if I know anything about Jeff Alexander, I know he likes to go fast. Mm. He is a fast surfer. And um, so I'm, I'm a fan of that concept. I like the idea of give me the speed and I'll do with it. I'll deal with it. You know, I'll burn it off if I have to burn it off. But I don't want a board that just bogs and I have to kind of wank it up to speed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I sense that that board, you're not going to be doing flying 720 spins, you know, a la, um, you know, whoever, Instagram hero du jour. Yeah. But, um, but I Sierra do Kerr. sense that, who? Sierra, <laughs> Sierra Yeah. You're not going to be going Sierra Kerr on us, but I do think you'll probably get some speed going and, um, and you All know. Right. More will be revealed after you ride it. Yeah, I'll give it a go. I'm waiting for fins. Um, How big? How big is that one? Honestly, I don't know. I, I mean, I want to say six zero, but it might be five eleven or something. And is it uh, is it a four fin setup or a tri fin setup? Four fin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I so I don't mean to disparage the design or anything like that by the d- description I just gave or maybe it not allowing me to do the 720 airs. If it only does what you said, like marginally better, but faster and more easy, then the goal is achieved. It's just from a visual standpoint, when you look at something that extremely different, it then becomes a hard sell for the shaper. Like you, just something asymmetrical. If you have an asymmetrical board, everybody on the beach looks at you and they, they start asking all these questions. They put, they impose maybe limitations on it. And I think the best thing you can do as the writer, the test pilot is uh, eliminate all those visual cues or preconceptions and just go out and ride the board. Like if you just went, went out and let the board kind of show you where it wants to go, you will have the best experience on the board. But once you see that it looks a certain way, you start imposing these limitations. Um, So the nose, the two pickle forks, the two forks, um, you mentioned that they have belly on them, that they're bellied like a hull, right? I'll grab them. Hold on. Because my opinion is that those, should be bellied out like a hull. And my opinion is that they should almost look like an Andrini or any hull where the, the rail is actually an up rail so that it doesn't catch. Yeah, that looks, yeah, yeah see, that looks sick. It does that have a little totally, bit of it. That totally looks doable to me. Like I get it, you know, and I'm maybe it needs so, more of it. I'm going to talk yeah. so the camera points at me because on Zoom, if you're talking, it goes to you. So I'm just going to say nothing. Actually, it does kind of look like an Andrini, but it's not symmetrical belly. Like it actually, it's more um, down on the inside of the nose than it is on the outside of the nose. All right, now you talk. Well, I, I, I love the look of that. I'm, I'm glad that it's bellied. I, I anticipated a full belly, but I'm sure there's a reason probably to, to draw the, the water into the channel there. The little middle nub thing, I'm just concerned about catching, you know, about the nose catching. It looks like there's a bunch of places for the nose to catch. That's my only concern. So I'm hoping that's nice and soft up there. Yeah. So what Scott's pointing out is in between the two pickle forks, 
where the stringer runs up the middle, it comes into a point. So yeah, could catch there. Why not just make that go back into its logical um, delta kind of thing? And then the other thing is, um, if you look at that board and both the pickle forks, and then in your mind's eye imagination, you just add foam to the nose where it was taken out. Yeah, yeah. Why couldn't you just do that design with foam in the nose? Which you is know? what Birch does, right? I imagine. I, I, I would need to take a look at his latest iteration, but I've seen yeah. some of them. I've seen Birch and certainly Tomo's that um, the outline is all connected. But yeah, the foam is just like a channel basically carved into the nose, the entry. It almost feels like the pickle fork design is almost for, um, it, it, it gives you a sense that I'm riding a high performance board. In other words, if he left the foam in it, it would be like a round board. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It would, right. The nose would be round, kind of like the Tomos. And, um, and maybe from a marketing standpoint, that's not the look he was going for. Right. All right. But I don't know. I speak, I, you know, Hold Jeff, on. Jeff would be the guy, Jeff, believe me, Jeff was also outspoken. He would go on and on and on about it but in All a right. good way. You know, let me set this down real quick. That's a cool looking board. And I would like to ride it. Um, Google pickle fork surfboards. If you haven't, All right. you can find the Gemini. If you just Google, Google Gemini, Google Jeff Alexander, you can get more information about this board. Um, it's looks like a super postmodern design, but it's actually, like you said, back from the nineties, right? Oh, earlier than that. Oh, I, really? Yeah. I think Jeff was making these in the late eighties, maybe. Holy cow. I remember them yeah. in the nineties having a little bit of a, a popularity. Um, by the way, I got feedback from a couple of things from our last show. Craig, Craig commented on Valsey and he said, I love Dale Valsey. He was the original used car salesman. I guess Craig used to work at Clark Foam because he says at Clark Foam, we used to have to deliver to Velzi's house so he wouldn't come by the factory after he got caught passing on intellectual property to Walker Foam repeatedly. <laughs> oh so so Velzi would come by Clark Foam, take some notes, and then go to Walker Foam be like, hey, this is how they do X, Y, and Z. So they were no longer allowed to let him come by. They had to go drop foam off at his house. Uh, Craig went on to say that when he was dropping off foam at Velzi's house, he had a pet goose that was mean as heck. And he would try to attack you when you were trying to get Dale to pay his bill. That goose was vicious. End quote. <laughs> yeah. The, believe me, the Velzi stories are endless. I mean, there are some great ones. And I can just see Dale Velzi etching... Uh, you know, little notes on a cocktail napkin, you know, right outside of the Clark foam place there in Laguna Niguel or wherever it was in the hills in the Laguna. And uh, yeah. But by the way, we're speaking in reference to the Mount Rushmore of surfing that David and I were speaking about last week. And we did get a lot of feedback about that. Um, the fact that Velzi owns a goose says it all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who has yeah. a goose? Yeah, no, I, you know what, if, if you're fascinated, if you really want to get into it, I mentioned it last week, Spencer Crowell put out a big coffee table book called Velzius Hawk, and it goes into great detail about this person known as Del Velzi, who's just an iconic, classic, just a character, just one of those guys like, um, like Mickey Dora, like Al Chapman, like, you know, that just 
it's just one of the classic characters in our surf culture that that makes it such a rich culture you know it's just you know what i mean it's just not um it's a culture of characters for sure and he's one of the biggest i agree and um i don't know how much this relates to that but i think about sometimes you know character comes from struggle from hardship that sort of thing and surfing and especially like professional board builders generally don't make that much money. I mean, I shouldn't say generally, just full stop. They don't make much money. And for the most part, struggle to get by, find themselves later in life with zero retirement, with uh, not owning a home and having a hard time paying bills. There's no, there's not enough profit margin built into surfboards and the prices haven't ever increased, you know? And so I think that all develops character and that's kind of why I like interviewing surfboard shapers more on the podcast than professional surfers, let's say. I mean, if you get professional surfers kind of as the antithesis of that, who got management when they were 12 years old, they've been making six figures since then. And somebody books their car, every country that they go to and books their hotel for them, manages their diet, all that, that breeds zero character. And I'm not saying that it, that that person isn't a good person or anything like that. It's just when I sit down and interview somebody, dude, these surfboard shapers are characters. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And, and especially back then in that era when times were so much hard, I mean, surfing was, you know, you had to be an outcast to surf. So, well, you, you need to, you or I need to interview Jeff Alexander for sure. <laughs> he, he's a full on character, man. For sure. He's great. He's a great guy. Um, um, by the way, surfers are the worst t-shirts oh, yeah. are, are available at staycovered.com. So surfers are the worst. The t-shirts are available. Go to staycovered.com, pick up a leash or some wax or a scented candle um, along the way for you. the surfer in your life. It is the holiday season. It's Christmas yeah. season. It's Hanukkah season. People are giving gifts, David. What is it that you have in mind for me? What gift? I know you've been thinking a lot about what you're going to give me this this holiday season. So is it, are you going to keep it a secret or can you give me a hint? I know there's probably something brewing. Yeah, I saw some of the footage from Surf Ranch and I thought maybe your paddle could use some help. Webbed gloves. I thought really? it would be, yeah, <laughs> to increase your paddle speed. All right. Or, uh, so you can get more waves in 2021. You know, I'm here All to right. help. All right. That might be, that might hurt my shoulders, but thank you for the thoughts. That's very the, kind the of The ape gloves. <laughs> Whatever happened to those, those things that need to come back. Um, I've got another well, email. I, yeah, go I, I do too. I have some more, obviously the Mount Rushmore thing kind of took off. So I've got some stuff on that too. Go ahead. No, go with that. Mine is okay, not my, related. So. Okay. Mine is, um, hey, Scott, David, loving the podcast. Uh, just ordered a shirt here are a couple of extra nominations for your mount rushmore from an australian perspective that might be worth considering lane beachley david on the mount rushmore of surfing who would she take out according to dave here from marubra lane is a seven-time world champion the current chairperson of surfing australia in 2015 she got the Order of Australia for service to the community, charity, and for being a mentor to women's sport, women in sport. It sure would be nice to see a lady like her, um, or maybe Princess Stephanie on your mountain. 
sounded weird. How about Mark Richards, four-time world champion? And he also got the Order of Australia for service to sport. But more than that, MR transcends competitive surfing for his shaping career. And last but not least, Kelly Slater, an automatic choice. If he was in Australia, he'd been the prime minister already. The man's a world sporting great up there with Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, and Pele. You're probably never going to see the likes of somebody like him again. Cheers from uh, Dave from Marubra. Uh, who also corrected Mullumbimby. A number of times. Mullumbimby. 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 Was mispronounced. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> it is. Last time. Make sure the fly doesn't go into your mouth when you pronounce it. Mullumbimby. Uh, how do you feel though about, I mean, of the, I mean, Slater, it's hard to deny Slater, but you and I already like <laughs> didn't allow him from the get go of this. Do you want to reconsider him? Well, so our choices are basically Hunter's choices who sent us an email and Hunter made great, made some great um, cases Hunter, for the, f- Hunter built off our choices. Let's start there. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Get that ego wedged in there, David. Yes. Um, but our choices are just for everyone so they know our Mount Rushmore, as of now, as, as it stands now, it's Duke, John Severson, Dale Velzi, and George Greeno. And we made great cases for those. So to put Slater in there, we have to take one off. And the one that lingers for, I think, both of us is Velzi. That's the one where we're kind of like, maybe there's somebody better than Velzi that represents sort of the shaper the character, you know, those things we mentioned a little bit earlier. And is Slater that guy? Whose spot does Slater take is my my question to you. I mean, Velzi is the guy that we would have to bump, but Greeno isn't, Greeno's a designer. He's not enough of a board builder to fill the board builder vacancy. I doubt that. I I agree. I disagree with you 100%. You think Greeno would Greeno is an absolute board builder like crazy like right now he's got resins on his fingers and he's stirring up pancakes like yeah he's just no i know i i don't disagree with that he's building boards for himself right yeah which so, is what everyone's but, looking at but i'm saying velzi represents a different role on mount rushmore so you're saying commerce like the number of boards means something the fact that he was a sort of mm-hmm. like one of the, if not the first commercial board builders would that's, take orders that's under the what, pier. That's largely why we put Velzi there in the first place. Certainly his character, but also they represented like a board builder that people bought surfboards from. So I feel like if we moved him off the list and put Slater on there or Lane Beachley, like it's a totally different role, you know? Yeah, I, I understand that in a weird way, we don't have like a really good surfer on our Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> we might need five people. Of, no, we can't. Nope. We can't expand Mount Rushmore. In fact, as you may recall, the guy ran out of money. Like it's still Is unfinished right? Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But there can only be four. And no, I... Dave didn't convince me. Yeah, I mean... To me, Slater is, um, he's a product of these four people. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't, he's not above them. He's because of them. Yeah. What about, okay. So what about, um, his argument for Mark Richards? Mark Richards is a phenomenal surfer plus the board builder plus, uh, not as much of a character as Valzi, but still. 
I, I love Mark Richards on here more than I would Kelly. Yeah. But I don't think, again, I would say to you, Mark Richards is a product of Duke and Valzi and George Greeno and, um, and Severson. He's a product of these people. He's not yeah. on the I'm, same level as them. All right. All right. Well, now here's one, though, that is interesting from Andrew sent this in. I nominate Jack O'Neill for Mount Rushmore. Without his development of the surfing wetsuit, millions of surfers would never have taken to the water. I disagree with that. People were surfing without wetsuits. Yeah. And they still would be. Yep. And thousands of surf breaks in the world would probably still be unridden. Maybe. I get it. I, I do think Jack O'Neill should be thrown in the mix, but I think he washes out. I, um, I think he's important to the culture. Um, you know, but yeah. all he did was take a technology that the military had been using and, and sort of went, Hey, let's sell these to surfers. I agree. It's a good contribution. And his point, even though you um, had counterpoints, I think his point of Jack expanded this thing to a lot more people is still valid, but you're right. It's too one dimensional. We yeah. need, we need more contribution to get chiseled in. By the way, on Instagram, I've been getting a lot of, Tom Blake's because I threw it out there that yeah. you and I were discussing Tom Blake and I've been getting a lot of, I can't believe yeah, Tom Blake needs to be on there. Tom Blake, for those of you that don't know, basically in a nutshell, he invented the fin, but he did a lot more than that. But yeah, he's the one that's, that's um, credited with putting the fin on the surfboard. Yeah. And I sent that to Matt Warshaw and Matt was like, you know what? I think that Blake is a little bit overrated which I found interesting. That he didn't go into detail as to why, but um, anyway, I don't think Blake's on there, but I think Blake would be the next one in line um, and you would kick off Greeno as sort of like the, um, the guy that changed the way we ride waves. Yeah, the guy that and, took that to, and I mean, spent And you life. could argue that Greeno is a product of Blake. You know, without Blake, there would be no Greeno. I don't know about that. I, do you think that the fin was going to happen regardless? Absolutely. Yeah. But all of this stuff was going to happen with it. I mean, there was going to be a surf shop regardless of Del Velzi. There was going to be. For sure. You know. Yeah. That's why I think Duke and the concept of Aloha, the concept of surfing is about Aloha. Um, you know, the true essence of the way that Polynesians um, sort of uh, canonized what it meant to ride a wave comes from duke and that's that needs to go out around like that's and of course the whole concept of selfish surfers has you know is opposite of that which yeah. is kind of weird well that's what's interesting about duke and why duke has the you know fully the full consensus of all of us for being up there is that um if it had been somebody else who had introduced surfing to the world surfing could be entirely different duke bringing it with aloha was his contribution and it could have gone down an entirely different path if somebody had brought it with some other ethos, you know? Well, if it, I don't think it would have been another, like my, my opinion is, is that if it was a Polynesian, it was going to be with Aloha. In other words, that's the spirit of the, of the Hawaiians was, you know, we do things with a good nature and with a smile and with an optimistic outlook. Now you don't want to cross them, you know, like they'll go to war and get pissed, but for the most part, their their general uh, 
initial vibe is, hey, come enjoy this with us. This is fun, you know? And I think yeah. that if it was Duke, could have been one of Duke's brothers. It just so happened that because Duke was an Olympic swimming champion, he was sort of the figurehead of, of what it meant to be an ocean person in well, Hawaii. What's funny is I Googled his name this week to grab an image of him. And the Wikipedia listing or Google itself shows Duke Kahanamoku swimmer. It actually yeah. doesn't say anything about surfing. I mean, it does if you read through, you know, yeah. kind of the text, but it's funny that they classify him as a swimmer, which of course is deservedly so. He's won a bunch of Olympic golds. Stockholm um, Olympics. How many gold medals? I want to say he went to three different Olympic games, maybe more. I mean, I studied up on it, but it's been years. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for anyone to Google it and find it. I, but I interviewed yeah, the guy, he, some scholar wrote a, uh, yeah. a biography on Duke yeah. called the Waterman, the life and times of Duke Kanemoku. And so I interviewed that guy and the guy never surfed a day in his life. He was just like scholarly. And he yeah. wrote like a really detailed history about Duke and his personal life and romantic relationships and all that sort of stuff. So at that time I knew more than I certainly know now, but yeah, it's funny that Google doesn't even, I mean, you and I, is just, he is synonymous with surfing, you know, like he yeah. is surfing and I, I know about a swimming, but I don't really think about it. But for Google and the outward thing, that's what they identify him as, as a swimmer. Well, I remember I worked at Surfer Magazine when we put Duke on the cover of our big issue. And I think it was, I want to say it was the 50th anniversary issue or something. Yeah. It was one big, it was one of the big anniversary issues. And it was certainly, I didn't have anything to do with it. I was the online editorial director, but it was certainly something that I know Evan Slater and Chris Morrow were, um, were extremely proud of. And, and I think they had to kind of fight it to get Duke on the cover for the publishers were like, how about this shot of, you know, Bruce Irons at G land or whatever, right. you know, well, they had to fight it tooth and nail, but it was one of the most well-received covers we ever did. Surfer magazine ever did. And again, credit goes to Evan Slater and Chris Morrow there. You know, what's funny about that, that surfer magazine doing a big issue I was a teenager at that time and every year, I think it might've been October was the big issue and it got bigger every year. So like the, the, they wanted to be able to write, this is the biggest issue we've ever made. And at some point I'm getting this thing that shows up like a, the size of a poster, like it no longer fit in the mailbox, not even close to fitting in the mailbox. It was just this giant, I, and I had the realization literally as a 16 year old, you guys are strictly doing this just to one up yourselves. Nobody cares. I don't need my, this magazine to be any bigger. It's plenty big. It doesn't fit in my backpack anymore. You guys are stri strictly doing this as like a masturbatory exercise each year <laughs> to beat yourselves. Speaking of surfer, check out this, this, um, this is an email that they sent out to their subscribers. Oh my God. Yes. Did you see this? Yeah. Yeah. It says, Dear Surfer Magazine subscriber, thank you for being a subscriber to Surfer Magazine. We hope you have enjoyed each issue. As of October 1st, 2020, Surfer Magazine has ceased publication. The last issue was the winter 2021 issue. However, we are pleased to inform you that for the remainder of your subscription, you will receive Men's Journal Magazine, which is published by the same company that brought you Surfer Magazine. With Men's Journal, you will discover tips, guides, and expert advice on gear, adventure, style, and more from our editors. <laughs> so anyway, that's basically it. Thanks. You get Men's no Journal. <laughs>
interesting. You guys can keep it. Save the postage and the trees. Oh, Lord. Um, well, hey, that relates actually to my next email. Yeah. Um, dear David and Scott, I've listened to Spit Podcast for about a year now, and it's quickly become one of my favorites. Each week, I look forward to your thought-provoking banner, Mitch, Scott, and yourself. Uh, I've been a teacher at a public high school in San Diego for over 15 years, and your conversation last week emphasizing the importance of reading was spot on. This was your conversation, Scott, about encouraging people to read. He went on to say, reading is the number one predictor of success among students, period. The correlation between the amount of reading one does and the level of success they achieve is stronger than any other comparative factor measure. It doesn't matter who you are, who you have as parents, how wealthy you are, what gender you are, what your skin color is. If you are an avid reader, there's a higher probability you will succeed in life. Your assessment that kids today do not read or read very little in comparison to past generations is unquestionably true. 60 to 80% of students in any given public school in the state of California are multiple grade levels below where they should be compared to standardized reading proficiency levels. He went on to give all of these reasons why and why administration is kind of just pushing kids through the system. If they fall behind, just give them an easier test to let them pass. Exactly. So I cut a lot of that out, but I'm going to jump back in where he says, the reading levels at high school where I teach, which I'm withholding the name of in fear of being burned at the stake, are horrendous. It is so bad that most of the teachers no longer require any reading whatsoever as a course requirement. The administration has repeatedly requested that teachers implement a no homework policy. Uh, lower grading scales and find ways to pass students who refuse to do anything. Being a teacher has become so depressing and after nearly two decades, I am calling it quits. I can no longer be a part of the system that fails to hold anyone accountable for anything, ranging from the administration, the staff, the students, and to the parents of the students themselves. Everyone in the system is guilty in some way or another and allowing it and is allowing it to fail. And sadly, no one wants to do what is needed in order to fix it. The educational system, as they say, is unequivocally broken. Anyways, I love the podcast. Keep it refresh. Uh, keep up the refreshing discourse, and don't forget to go surfing. Well, there's so much there to unpack, right? <clears throat> um, a lot of stuff was going through my head. Um, first and foremost, I am so sort of, I, I feel passion welling up in me about how important this is to our society, that our generations read more books. I, I, you know, if like, if I was to think of like one nonprofit cause that I could get behind that would help everyone, and that is super simple and it's free, it's reading, more reading read books it's going to open your it's going to it's going to be it's one of the most it's one of life's most fascinating endeavors it's it's opened your your eyes david i know and my eyes david to things uh, to imagine you know it's just it's like a vast world of incredible stuff you know and well imagine, i know i'm not spitting it out very eloquently right now but I, and i'm truly passionate about this like I think we need to read more even if people have um, enjoyed reading in the past, sometimes you forget about the value of it. But think about it in terms of if during quarantine, during COVID, if you just stayed inside, never saw any sun, didn't get any exercise, you feel depressed, you feel lethargic. 
And then think about the version of your life where you wake up early, you go surfing, you get in the cold ocean, you get exercise, you get vitamin D from the sun and how that motivates you throughout the rest of your day and informs you throughout the rest of your day. You go through the rest of your day, sharp, processing information a lot more effectively. You're more motivated. You're more kind. You're more ambitious. Reading does that for the mind. So if you wake up in the morning and you don't read or you don't read throughout the day, if you become in this kind of atrophied, your brain starts to form nubs over it and it atrophies and there's <laughs> less, there's less receptors open to receiving information and to growth and all those other things. It's exercise for the mind. You're doing push-ups for your mind simply, simply by reading, you know? What are you laughing at? <laughs> brain nubs is the name exactly. of my new band. Well, I'm thinking Not brain nubs. Your synapse, your your receptors, their synapses that jump from receptor to one another, those get nubbed over and the synapse can't jump and fire. Um, synapse nub. This is all a scientific explanation, by the way. I don't know if you knew it or not, but I am a doctor. Well, read more. I want to hear from listeners about what you're reading or if you're inspired to read more. And don't be ashamed if you're not reading. I get it. David just mentioned sometimes we forget. Um, And I'm a slow reader. I mean, I'm reading the same two books I've been reading for a couple of months, you know, but I do have two books and I, I read them almost every day. I read some this morning. And um, I disagree. There's though. so many great books out there. I mean, it's incredible how many great books there are. I disagree with your thing telling listeners to let us know what they're reading. I don't want to hear what listeners are reading. I get enough recommendations <laughs> in my life. There's nothing worse. People send music like, hey, you you're should right, listen to this. You're I'm right. like, I know. you think I'm just going to But I'm trying to inspire to them, David. I'm trying to get, I agree with you. But don't send us what you're reading. Just. Send it to a friend who will take your advice. We have no interest in hearing what you're listening to or what you're reading. You need to use reverse psychology. You need to come in with, I'm not reading shit. And then we'll know, ah, maybe the guy is reading. Exactly. But um, I do appreciate you sending me that podcast from the guy who wrote Sapiens. Oh, yeah. Um, How do you pronounce his name? Anyway, I always mess it up. But anyway. Uh, Yuval Harari. Yuval Noah I turned that podcast on to some friends of mine who are readers, and now they're inspired to read Sapiens, which I'm still reading. Well, the other thing about that guy's email was... um, The state of the school system. The state of our system in general. Like, honestly, that that is reflective of work environment that's invented and reflective of political environment. It's reflective of how people are raising their kids, where rather than holding them to a high standard... You know, I was having this conversation. I don't want to get fully into it, but like in surfing, part of calling somebody a kook and harassing them and not harassing them, but like giving them a hard time in the lineup is not to, I mean, it's because if you're part of the breath, if you're part of our brethren, we want you to be better at what you're doing. Like I'll make fun of my friend if he dodges a section or doesn't crack a lip or something because like I want to see him the next time he goes out, crack the lip. And for that to now be qualified or classified as bullying is the wrong direction. You know what I mean? That's not bullying. That's me and my friend. We have this implicit agreement that we're going to razz one another to bring out the best in one another. And yeah. so the fact that that's entirely eliminated from schooling, any sort of accountability or being held to a standard of somebody who came before you that was better than you, 
you're not allowed to do that because that'll make you feel bad about yourself and ruin your self-esteem is absolutely not going to net progress. It's going to net regression. And, and I sense too, like um, almost a, a self-fulfilling prophecy in some regards. And, and what I mean is there are parents and, and I'm one of them who saw the public health, the public school system failing that, that sees a lack of accountability and goes, you know what? I want my kids to have some, better education the public school system's kind of lame they're just like pushing these three kids through because if they don't they're going to the teachers totally. are going to look bad and the teachers union's going to blah 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 blah. so and there's a whole bunch of of parents like this and i'm not saying this is okay i'm just saying this is what happens we take our kids and we put them in private schools because we sense that in private schools at least we as parents because we're writing a check every month have the ability to hold not only the kids accountable, but the teachers and the administration accountable. And yeah. there is no teachers union that we butt up against. And we go, Hey, look, here's the deal. We want them to read more or whatever it is. Right. And our kids all get spit out of this system. That's that we assume is educating our children better. And, and then they go on to these other better schools and it's, and it just, and so the sad part there is that there are parents that whose kids deserve a really quality education and some accountability, but because they don't have the money to go to private schools because it's expensive, don't get that. They get their kids spit out of the public school system, which I know there are great teachers out there. Totally. Um, but teachers are almost, the problem. They're almost more like, at this point, they're almost more like mentors than educators. Well, like the great ones that my kids look to are like, I enjoyed going to his class because he brought up thoughtful, yeah. he had thoughtful conversation about deep stuff. He wasn't just going, okay, get ready for the test. We got to spit you out with an A and, you know, or whatever. I, again, I speak from ignorance. I don't really know too much about what I'm talking about. I'm just, I do speak from my own experience. Though. The red tape and the bureaucracy is what prevents the teachers from doing their jobs. My mom works for a school district and which will remain nameless and she has my entire life. And over the years, I've been horrified at the stories that she comes home with, you know, like she'd be downtrodden after work. And I'm like, what's up? Yeah. And she's just like, you would not believe the corruption that I witness and how somebody gets a promotion at their job. And anybody who ever says anything ends up getting fired or losing their job. And yeah. so well, it's hard to get fired from the teachers union. Well, they're not always teachers you know, yeah. they might work at admin or whatever, but, yeah. um, the downtrodden was her knowing, man, I gotta, there's no, I can't fix this system. I have to, if I want to continue to raise my kids and be able to put food on the table, I got to keep going to this thing and perpetuate this cycle. And it sounds like our listener has opted out of it. So I should actually email him back and figure out, uh, what, What's plan B? I mean, if you went to school and committed your life to this, and honestly, it's kind of a civil service thing because teachers aren't making any money. Yeah. Um, you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart. What's plan B? And how bad does it feel to get slapped down for doing your passion project? You know? Well, you know, it's fascinating because there's so many industries where like, you know, disruptor is like the, has been the, yeah. the sort of for the last decade, it's been sort of the buzzword, like let's disrupt this industry. And so if you were to say to this guy who sent you the email or to your mother or to any teacher that's frustrated, how would you disrupt this industry? Or it's not even an industry, but I guess it is. How yeah, would it you is. disrupt education? 
and they would get out a big whiteboard and they would erase everything that exists now and they would start from scratch and they would, they would create something different. And you just don't have the ability to erase the whiteboard anymore. That ink is stuck and permanent on the whiteboard and it's just, there's no way to erase it. It's just embedded with red tape and bureaucracy, as you mentioned. Well, part of the email that I deleted or that I edited out was um, he was talking about the administrators, quote unquote, you know, they have like an allowance for their car and all this kind of uh, fat built into their job and comfort and the bonuses and how much money you get next year and all that is based on the success of the students. So that's where that crux comes in, where they're incentivized to get students to pass classes, even if the students aren't capable of passing the classes based on the standardized testing. So all that they do to protect their car allowance essentially is lower the standards. So it's this kind of 1% model of we're going to protect our comfort and our well-being. And by the way, we are philandering. And like I said, from my mom's backstories, there's all this corruption going on, but I'm not going to hold you accountable to make you do your job. I'm just going to lower the standards so that I can keep doing mine over here without, without making it harder on me. I mean, the ultimate proof of all this is all these remedial classes in college, like nine, like, I don't know, it's something ridiculous, but like 70% of students that go into college have to take remedial math and remedial English to just get to the intro class. You can't even get into the intro class until they basically give you high school in like two semesters. Crazy. Like here's high school. Let's just do it all over. If you care about this, you're going to pass. If not, you're out. Yeah. You know what I mean? All of a sudden people are like, Oh shit. Um, yeah, I do want to get a college degree. And so people get into it actually. It's kind of interesting because at that point they realize, Oh, you know, it's time for the metal to, you know, I went through that experience to hit the fan. When I went to college, I honestly had to learn how to do homework. I spent the first couple <laughs> semesters like, oh my gosh, I actually need to read this and do the homework to yeah. get a grade on the test. Because in high school, I I honestly never did homework. I just list. I'd go to the class, maybe I'd absorb some of it, show up at a test, I'd get an A on the test, did zero homework, and would get a B in the class because of yeah. the way that you know. So. What's sad about this, all of this, is that if you are a student who has some level of intelligence and this some ambition. This is not ambition, about surfing. We have not been talking about surfing at all. Right. Hey. The only thing that's about surfing is those two surfboards that are behind you. Okay. The hard pivot. Literally an hour after we published last week's episode, the WSL released news, a huge yes. news story. And part of my story last week was, hey, where's our update from the WSL? I know. It came out like literally 20 minutes after we went off the air. It was crazy. So huge news from the WSL is that the 2021 season is on. Pipeline is on. Maui is on for the women. They're launching the season uh, where it formerly ended in previous years. The other huge news stories is that Sunset is being added to the men and women's tours as is um, Steamer Lane in Santa Cruz. Steamer Lane has been a stop on tour in the past. So it's coming back. This is the first time that Sunset's ever been on the championship tour. And no, it's been on the tour before. Sunset was? Yeah, on the, on the IPS and the ASP. Oh, look at you. Yeah, the, the World Cup for sure. Oh, the World, but the anyway, World Cup, I've I didn't know it was on the CT. Well, it wasn't oh, even called the CT back then, but. Okay. Anyway, I feel so vindictive. Like, I feel vindicated you know i feel i've been barking about sunset beach for 15 years literally and and i'm so stoked that sunset beach is on the tour you've been harping on it on this podcast 
for the entirety since the beginning, since episode yes. one, probably. Yes. And so and imagine before then, when I was on yeah. San Diego radio, I was barking about it. Well, look, uh, I'd like to think that the WSL implements all of our genius ideas because they hear how they genius do. they are. But yes. the other thing is they're limited by COVID this year. So they're, it seems like they're trying to reduce jumping around from place to place. And so run as many events as you can in Hawaii while everybody is there for pipeline and sunset is a logical choice. Uh, this lineup, by the way, the season ends at trestles this year. So it starts at pipeline, the final event, which we talked about in a previous podcast, uh, you only, I think it's five surfers get entry into the final event. Yeah. And then it's a surf off in the final event. So a little bit different format and structure than previous years. Um, WSL season finals. Yeah. New single day. It's a single day world title competition. Sorry, go ahead. And that they didn't, they explained all of that format previously, but they didn't release the venue until last week. So the venue is lower trestles. Yes. One day event at lower trestles to determine the world champion. It's called the WSL finals. Feels like they could have branded that something a little bit more splashy, a little splashier. Right. You know, like, you know, there's a Super Bowl, there's, you know, there's the FedEx Cup in golf, there's, um, I don't know, WSL Finals feels a little yeah, uh, not thought out. Well, look, there's finals in every single event, so it's also a little bit confusing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I will start by saying this is maybe the best tour schedule I've seen in some time, to be honest. I think, I mean, we can discuss whether or not it's good to start with pipe and end with trestles as opposed to starting with a slow start and ending with a big finale. Um, But in terms of having pipe, sunset, steamer lane, I don't really care about. So it looks like Portugal is moved to about March. And then we have Bells, Margaret's, Gold Coast, G-Land, Brazil, J-Bay, Lamore, the wave pool, and then Tahiti and Lowers. So all in all, I think this might be the most well-rounded tour that we've seen in some time. I would still ditch the wave pool firstly. I would ditch Brazil. But other than that, I think it's a really strong G-Land phenomenal addition. Yeah. So no, I love I, I think- it. I, I, I like most of it too. Um, I What I hate though, I absolutely hate that the tour doesn't end uh, at Pipeline that it doesn't end at a at a, a wave of consequence i think it's just weak it's um so the tour the tour actually ends in tahiti at chopu okay mel maybe i should eat my foot there but it, the finals i feel like the finals um yeah i guess what are your what are your thoughts on that does that enough of a of a situation where you're going to get the top 5 that charged at Chopu and deserve to get in? Or can you be in the top five, go into Chopu, maybe get through a couple heats and get and just and then lose, you know, after the second or third heat and uh, make your way to the finals at, I, at Trestles without having to to show your stuff? Uh, I No, I don't think you can get through without having to show your stuff. I think this is it will have to kind of see how the math all plays out. Yeah. We'll need hindsight. We'll really make this a lot more clear, yeah. but I'm yeah. optimistic about it. Actually, when yeah. we first saw that pipe was getting moved to the beginning, I was against it. But the more I think about it, the more optimistic I am about it. I yeah. think it's more important to come out of 
the gates, like start the season with a huge event for one reason. Uh, I feel like there's been too many slow starts to too many people. Like Gabriel won two world titles with very, very slow starts. He didn't start winning events till the back half of the season. And that's just not good viewing. It's not dramatic sporting viewing, you know? Like, I think the stakes need to be high. I think for anybody who isn't willing to paddle out a pipe and go on a set wave, go sit in the back. Like, you are not welcome to a front seat of this, the rest of this. The fact that you could show up at previously at the Gold Coast and surf three, three foot waves and do a, you know, crazy air, and that would suddenly have you in first position on tour, I don't think is the right direction for surfing. So throwing them out at Pipeline, Kelly and John John and Gabriel and Idolo are going to come out on top. Like those guys are the best surfers in the world. They should be on top. And then that list gets refined through high performance events, but ultimately comes to a head again at Chopu where you have to do what you did in event one. I like all of this. Yeah, it does make a ton of sense now that I start to digest it. And I haven't looked at the schedule um, on paper the way you just laid it out. I just know that, that the events, you know, we start here on the December 8th. But um, I was thinking about ways of consequences as you were speaking there. So we've got Pipe, as you mentioned, then Sunset. And then there's um, G-Land is, I guess, a wave of consequence. It's borderline. It's such a perfect wave. Even when it's six to eight feet, it's those guys, it's going to be, I don't think it's consequential, um, not in the not on the level of pipe or uh, chopu. Um, since it be, so you've got three legit waves of consequence. J Bay is kind of like G Land; it's just perfect, you know. It's, um, so there are three waves of consequence that the surfers will have to deal with, right? And so that's that is interesting. Well, variety. So there's three waves of consequence. There's three waves that are perfect, like you said. So. You know, there's a certain style of surfing that can be showcased on perfect waves. There's a certain style that can be showcased via consequence. And then they have rippable waves on tour as well, from trestles to snapper in Brazil, depending on where they run that. So I like, I like this a lot. I think this is a really well-rounded tour. Now, let me ask you, how do you feel about the finals day being at lowers? there being five world title contenders that get entry into this event and they duke it out on a high performance wave as opposed to duking it out at somewhere more consequential. Well, it's in September, right? Yeah. I would much rather have them, if they just have five surfers, go down to Puerto Escondido. I agree. Go down to Puerto Escondido, man. Let's see some friggin' radical barrel riding, some thumping. Let's let's make this the Super Bowl. Trestles is just soft. It just is. It's not exciting to me. Um, you know, I mean, maybe I'll be excited in, in September. I'll be like, okay, cool. We're gonna see some ripping, whatever. Uh, I I want to see them. There's only five of them. You could do an insane, you know, in one morning at Puerto, you could have an insane finals day. It yeah. would be mind blowing. And to me, that's, that's the go-to in yeah. September. Puerto Escondido. It's, it's troubling to think that, again, we need to see how the math shakes out, I guess, because I don't fully understand it, but it's troubling to think that somebody um, who's like a small wave wizard could beat Kelly Slater at Trestles. 
You know, like yeah, Felipe but, Toledo could be Kelly Slater Trestles. Like anybody, I, I would yeah. bet money on that right yeah. now that I, in their Gilo, current. Yeah. I mean, look, Gabe, all three of them. Well, those all guys, three though, of those Brazilians. Yeah, but I'm fine with Gabe and Idolo because they can also get barreled at pipe when it's right. 10 foot. Right. So if right. they beat Kelly at lowers, I don't really have any qualms about that because right. they're a more well-rounded surfer at this point. And, but somebody like Felipe, it troubles me that somebody like Felipe would then beat somebody – Kelly's the only example I could think of. I don't know if he would beat John John at lowers, but you know, that, that the fact that the wave really benefits like a very specific thing. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's a soft wave speed riding a groveler that you could generate a bunch of speed on is going to be a huge virtue there. So as yeah, opposed the, to like the, technique and as we break down the rest of this too, sort of the elephant in the room right now is the spike in COVID cases. Like is Hawaii going to go, they just opened up, I think October 15th. You can go there if you have tests, if you get the tests and everything, like there's a way to get to Hawaii. Um, but is this recent spike going to make the state of Hawaii kind of go back into restrictive lockdowns and not allow for tourists to show up? Uh, I don't I know. I'd but be there's more, a spike right now and you know that's got to be a factor i'd be equally as concerned about portugal for march like honestly europe has yeah. more strict mandates than hawaii does and even though that's a, a ways out on the calendar i mean this thing's around for a while you know so interestingly on the wsl's website i noticed they just updated portugal to say postponed i'm pretty sure that they had the dates in there previously and now it says postponed so i don't know maybe they do have updated covid information there but look the fact the idea that this tour can run in its entirety as we described it is not a foregone conclusion it's not guaranteed like it's all me, subject to covid let me ask you this at the risk of sounding uh sexist <laughs> They're running the women first. December 4th, the women kick off at Honolulu Bay. They're, so the, the beginnings of the WSL tour start with the women in Maui. Um, what are your thoughts on that as regards to, um, you know, marketing the 2021 tour? Uh, I hadn't thought of it at all. And I don't, think it matters at all to be honest i mean pipeline is the draw so whether it's women or men the venue is kind of what the big marketing draw is so i'm sure it's a logistic thing for kicking off maui um first but maui's never going to draw the eyeballs that pipeline does so yeah yeah Yeah. of course not yeah all right well hey i'm I'm, excited I, i am too I, I hope everything rolls out. I would, I'm going to start the drum beat right now for this thing ending at Puerto Escondido. This is real waves, real men, the world's best surfers and the world's best waves. This is what we want. Uh, we were going to have plenty of high performance surfing all year long. There are plenty of spots and yeah. Well, in 15 years from now, maybe they will concede and give you what you want. <laughs> They might. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Well, what else you got? Well, look, sadly, John Shamuka passed a couple of days ago. Um, there's no details. Sean Doherty wrote a pretty good piece on, a very good piece on Surfline. And um, 
just reading between the lines, it, it feels as if maybe he took his own life. That's sort yeah. of what everyone's kind of saying without saying it. Um, and he, he was, uh, he was a great broadcaster, a great mm -hmm. commentator, had brought a lot of energy to the microphone. I really enjoyed listening to him. And, um, and I've seen John in action a few times and he's not somebody you want to screw around with. <laughs> what kind of action so, did you catch him in? Uh, like I used, I surfed with him at Swami's a bunch. He's, he's a great surfer, obviously he was on tour. And, um, and I also, I actually have seen him on the North shore a few times and he, he's kind of a pit bull and I've seen him, I've seen him go after guys, you know, like Tell me. Give on, me the, on the beach in the sand. Give me a story. Uh, just, there was one surf photographer and I forget the guy's name, but he was kind of like creepy. He, I forget Sarge? his name. No, it wasn't Sarge, but it was, he was an American guy, but I saw Shmuka just lay into him a few times and just basically like, drop all his stuff and just go, let's go, you know, like just screaming out, bellowing out of his lungs, you know, and the photographer just sheepishly trying to go, no, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean it like that. You know, whatever it was going down and she was like, come on, you know, <laughs> it was, and I've seen it. I've seen him be pretty loud and vocal um, in that one stretch there between pipe and, and uh, off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> This is, by the way, he was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Oh, I, yeah. So there okay, you go. Well, um, he had me scared, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he, a pit bull's a good way to describe his um, stature. You know, he's shorter yeah. and not, not by any means like overweight, but just like a rotund kind of bulky guy. I wouldn't say he was super muscular, but he also wasn't overweight at all. He's just like a pit bull. Uh, but... Phenomenal surfer from my youth. Uh, he was kind of a sparring partner for Sonny Garcia. I thought of them as kind of being in the same contingent, coming out of Hawaii, being aggressive, powerful, power-based surfers. And he won an event in Japan. He actually got second to Sonny Garcia at Bells in 1995. He moved to Australia to raise his son with his Australian wife. Um, I want to say like 10 or 15 years ago. He, man he turned into sur uh, managing surfers. So he managed Craig Anderson through the peak of his career, managed Jordy Smith. Um, he's gone to work as a broadcaster and for Visla in some capacity in recent years. So I was actually in Australia last year in March and I actually spent a week with him. He was kind of my liaison at the event there and trying to hook me up with an interview with uh, Slater the whole time who skirted me deftly. Um, <laughs> Slater's like, uh, no, thanks. I've heard what you guys say. <laughs> no, I'm pro. I'm so pro Slater. Are you kidding me? I'm not joking though. That's what, yeah, that's what I the believe. vibe was. Um, yeah. and so Shmoo though, the entire time was so cordial. My, that so that was my only personal experience of ever interacting with him Yeah, was that one week in Australia, but he was the ultimate, uh, kind of host, you know, and managing everybody and really managing Slater too in his time because he had a bunch of obligations there, but with a smile there early in the day, there late at night, working all day, just really a consummate host and professional. I have nothing, but I, I like loved the guy from just that amount of time that I spent with him, which is a lot of everything that you read. Everybody says he's the life of the party and really positive and funny and um, if you followed him on Instagram, you would see a lot of that humor, him doing little surf reports and stuff. 
but apparently his wife passed away from cancer 14 months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, yeah, sadly, we don't know what exactly transpired in the recent weeks, but he took his own life. And I think what's interesting that I like about surfing is when something like this happens, seeing all of the tributes and especially that era, those, that group of people was so tied. I think, you know, a lot of the momentum generation guys, but even kind of a step or a degree or two beyond that, there were such tight connections because it was the same people traveling around the world together. And then if you weren't on tour traveling, you were providing accommodation for when everybody came to town. So there's this kind of large hundred to 200 person group of people that have all of these formative experiences and a lot of visuals to show for it, photos, videos, all this stuff. And so I, when this sort of thing happens, it's always really moving for two or three days to see everybody chiming in and telling their own anecdote and story about, you know, the people. Yeah. So it's a sad, sad deal. It's, it's a really sad deal. And Honestly, it's worth you and I kind of focusing on the idea of depression and the idea that it isn't openly discussed, certainly among males, I would say. And I think it's at record levels. I don't know if it's at record levels or if we're just talking about it or we're more comfortable talking about it than our grandparents were. But with the economy, you know, with people losing jobs due to COVID, with people staying inside due to COVID, with all of the crazy politics like discussion in the US in the last year, like depression is a very real thing. Mental health, mental illness is a very real thing. Substance abuse is a very real thing. Alcoholism is a very real coping mechanism for a lot of people. And so um, depression is real, you know, and it's not the same thing as feeling depressed. Clinical depression is inescapable and people find themselves. We saw this with Sonny Garcia as well, a friend of John's. We find, we see these people who we thought were happy every time that you encountered them. Clinical depression takes over and you can't see the daylight and you can't see that it's temporary, you know, but every emotional state is temporary. And so they make these drastic decisions that are life-changing, certainly for them, but also for everybody around them and their surviving children in a momentary kind of um, feeling, a temporary feeling. And so I think it's kind of really important to reiterate for everybody that everything is temporary and you will get through it, you know? And it's important for everybody kind of on the outskirts to reach out to the people who you might sense are feeling some sense of depression you know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, the other thing is like, look, we all get low, you know, we all have moments of where we're not, you know, at our best, you know, and then there's people that are clinically depressed, which is a whole nother level that I, I absolutely know nothing about, you know? Yeah. I've had some um, low points in my life, but I've never been like, you know, people wake up on a sunny day and it just feels like it's raining and the, yeah. the walls are closing in. At least that's what I've been told. Exactly. Um, and, and there's really, um, it's, I, I've, and from what I've been told, I've got a dear friend that's a psychiatrist and it's, um, it's a level of doom and gloom that you, you and I wouldn't know unless you were cl- clinically depressed. Like unless you, you know, were really in that space. I will say that, 
um, I'm also in a mentoring group with men. And one of the things that we sort of, you know, uh, it's, it's a little bit trite, but we often say, if you want self-esteem, you need to perform esteemable acts. You know, you can't think your way into self-esteem. You have to do stuff. It's action-oriented. You know, what have you done for your community? What have you done for your family lately? Have you done something completely selflessly without expecting anything in return? And don't even let anyone know you did it. And I think that's a pretty good saying, you know. If you want self-esteem, do something esteemable. Totally. Well, there was a great comment. I think it might've been on beach grit and I've edited it a little bit, but I'll read the edited version. It says we all need, this guy was a, um, started out by saying he's a counselor, mental health counselor. And he said, we all need to be connected, valued and have a role. And any projection of a person that we, any projection and that any projection of the person that we should be, or the person that we could be, any projection that we place on ourselves or that gets placed on us by society to be a success, successful, be a provider, to be loved, to be strong, is a private thought cancer that strikes at many of us. So he's mm. saying these projections that we kind of, we wake up in the morning, we're like, oh, I got to go get it. I got to be successful. I got to be a provider. I got to be, a, all of that becomes a thought cancer. He goes on to say, because sometimes as we lay awake at night, and especially in our later years, we run the benchmark over our lives. We aren't kind to ourselves. We don't see the positives in our life and our contributions. We only see the negatives. And it's a bad conversation when you're the only one in it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and and we've all had those 3 a.m. Well, not, I can't say we all have, but I've certainly had those 3 a.m., you know, oh my God, you know, financial insecurity. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get that paid for? Blah, blah, blah. Those things, those, those times happen, you know, and, and they're at their worst when it's just me, myself and I just beating myself up about stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, the uh, other thing I wanted to mention about John Schmuka is that era that he grew up in was tough. Like Hawaii surfers coming out of that era were badasses. Like, like you had to, if you got to the level of surf celebrity that he got to, you were a badass. Not only were you shredding because there was no faking it, you were also persevering tremendous, um, you know, opposition just in terms of there weren't that many spots to be vying for. There was like, there was no faking it. Basically you have the entire world showing up on the North shore to vie for the shot and you had to outperform all of them. And then they all left and all the cameras and everything go back to California and Australia and you only have a couple months to perform. Like he came up in a really tough era and he did really, really well. So. You know, um, pivoting from that concept to the North Shore and everybody being there and having to perform, do you think that right now that all of these industry houses are filled with surfers from the industry and that it's as robust and sort of bubbling over with anticipation as it would be if this wasn't a COVID year or are things completely um, like, is it thinned out or the crowds thin? Is there really kind of hardly anybody there? Only people that are flying in for the pipe event. I mean, 
if you were to pick, oh, that's speaking of which, next time we need to talk about this Survivor League, Survi- Survival, I think it's called. Yes. And, and we'll get into that. You and I will have a segment on that next time. But if you were to, I guess what I'm saying is, if you were to pick somebody that's going to do good at pipe, it's certainly going to be somebody that's there right now surfing that's a local that surfs there all the time. There's no way some kid like Ethan Ewing, for instance, and I'm just throwing him in as an example, uh, is going to have the time in the water at pipe that, that say, Zeke Lau or is Zeke even on tour? Uh, I don't think so. You know what I mean, though? Like yeah. a local guy yeah. that surfs there all the time that can paddle out and say hi to whoever and know, know everyone in the water. John, John. You know, yeah, so you sort of mentioned the guys, right? It, it's weird. Like, is Gabe there right now practicing? Is Idle over there practicing? You know? I don't know. The, no, I don't Noah? think they, The answer is to all those questions, no. The houses are not full. The beaches are not full. There's not a bunch of tourists. And, I, yeah, I don't know. Those guys all should have booked a ticket the moment that this press release came out because that would be a huge advantage. Um, I I do know they updated – uh, some news saying that there were going to be no spectators allowed on the beach as well. So huh. that's not really to your point, but that is relevant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Get over there as quick as possible. There's never been a better time to actually get waves at pipe. Probably if you're a CT surfer than this year, it's going to be more, less crowded than ever before. Do you know anything about what used to be called the Vulcan Pipe Pro that happened in February. Any news on that? Is that a go or as a have, QS, as a qualifying event? I have no news on that. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll try to get everybody up to speed. I'm sure people can find out between now and next week when we do our well, next show. And you and I can um, talk next week too about some of the surfers because Jack Robinson is making his debut this year. And I think that these events, you know, Pipeline, G-Land, all that's bode well for him as a rookie. So there's lots of exciting things to Jack, start. Jack Robinson could, could make the semis at pipe. I think that's doable, mm-hmm. right? And absolutely sunset. make the semis at sunset. Yep. He's won there. Yep. Won there last year. Yep. So you could see Jack Robinson being number one going into the third event of the year in Santa Cruz. Is that where it is? Yeah. But there's also, I mean, John John could do well at both those events too. Oh, no, for Slater sure. I'm not saying he's the only one. No, I'm just saying. I know, it's exciting. Robbo's, yeah, it's exciting. It it's exciting that yeah. there's a number of guys who could do really well there. I'm rooting for Jack Robinson. I would love for Jack Robinson to be the world champion. And you know can where you he would do that? Him? At Puerto Escondido. Jack Robinson's a guy who, if it's a trestles, odds are against him. So that's my problem with this, is if he goes in and pole position into trestles and then – you know, gets smoked it's, by Edel or by, yeah, Philippe. Doing 360 loops on the two foot left, it lowers. The way that the year is structured, Lame. though, I don't think Felipe could make it into the final event unless he did well at Pipe, G-Lan, Tahiti, and all that. Yeah. So we'll see. It's lots lots more to unpack in future shows. Um, we I do, just had a little vomit in my mouth thinking about Jack Robinson going into Trestles instead of going down to Puerto Escondido for the final event. Well, like we said earlier in the show, we need to strengthen his character and he needs to start shredding small waves. And I know in this off season, he actually has, he moved from Western Australia to the gold coast specifically to work on a small wave game. And I think that that might prove to be a good move. Yeah. All right. 
Hey, Scott, can I show you what I got in the mail yesterday? What'd you get? I have a new album, Twinsman, coming with a pintail on it. So check these bad boys out. Ooh. Wow. Those look really similar to what I got in the what? mail. What? <laughs> <laughs> look at my album. Dude, you literally, we got the same. Okay, we're t holding up NVS fins right now for the camera. We literally got the same exact fin. You got the album Twins? I think this is the quad set. Oh, you got the quad set. Okay. Okay. Well, we both got albums, uh, personal line of fins with NVS, Surf NVS. Here's the, here's the, the back fin. Okay. So what board did you get those for? I got this for that Rawson, but I'm thinking about putting it in one of my Wayne Riches as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we need to do a deeper dive into quads. Because I wrote a, I wrote a quad yesterday, the day before yesterday, after kind of, um, I don't know, not talking crap. Hating about on him. him. You not hated on him. him. So I, I also last week went and interviewed Stretch, and we talked a bit yeah. about quads. Oh, cool. And so I was just kind of inspired to get back on one and see what's yeah. up. And uh, I had a couple of really good turns on it. Like, I don't know if it's the board itself or the fins themselves. But a couple of like accelerated turns, like like roundhouses. Round yeah. yeah. Where you round get speed coming out of the second half of the turn. Yes. And yeah. my buddy who was out with me, he's like, that turn looked good because it wasn't like a two-stager, right. you know? And, and I'd like to think I'm not doing two-stage cutbacks anyways. But I think what he was referring <laughs> to, what he was referring to is what I felt, which was, yeah, yeah it accelerated. It was like lean into yeah. the turn. And as you start to look back at the whitewash, like then it yeah. accelerates and then boom, bank off the whitewash straight into the bottom turn. And I don't know that I feel, I think maybe the, the uh, thruster, there is more of a pivoting action. So the quad might've been what was yeah. to there's, thank yeah, for there's Quads are known for that for sure. Now tell me about the Gemini behind you. How big is it? Like the more I've been looking at that board this whole for an hour and a half. Yeah. And I'm starting to think I'd like to ride that board. Yeah. But how big is it? Can you look? I don't know. How big is your the album? Gems. The album? Well, because they look like they're the same size. The so you know how big so. the album is. Okay, let's so. put it up, measure it up against the David's gonna measure up the boards. I've got David, he's going back to the Gemini. And he's looks like he's gonna he's holding the Gemini now and he's gonna tell me how big it, it looks has, like it's got yeah. It has go the ahead. Dems written right on it. It Perfect. is a five ten by nineteen by two and three eighths. Okay, that's not wide small. enough for me. <laughs> it's small, and it's not thick enough for me. See, I need twenty inches wide, two and five eighths, and I need yeah. it to be, I think five ten because I do think it it probably surfs a little longer because of the foams taken out of the nose. Right. Anyway, looks like a fun board, but kind of narrow for me for this old man. Let me know if that thing starts falling. Oh. <laughs> and it plays it very carefully. Uh, well, at any rate, the fin boxes, it's like the old FCS plugs in that. So I need, I need fins oh. for it. I don't have the yeah. fins handy. But NVS, surfnvs.com. Promo code is the word podcast. You get 20% off. The Apex yep. Series fins, which is what these are and what you've got there. And then, of course, so they're a new sponsor that we're thrilled to work with. We're going to be giving away fins as well for listeners. And then also, um, 
Neat Essentials has been with us for years and that 30% promo code on the Prima Loft jacket is still functional. So use the word spit on neatessentials.com in the USA. And that Prima Loft is just the best everyday jacket, folds up, mushes up into a ball. I w- you can't, it looks like a puffer jacket. It's not a puffer jacket because there's no down in it. It's actually thin and lightweight, but super warm. And the 30% off, I've just never seen before from them. So Spit in the promo code, spit. Spit will get you that 30% off in the promo code. Prima Loft, right. insulator jacket. Um, my Duke, by the way, Scott, is Matt Warshaw. He's in the middle of his EOS fund drive. Yes, the I man, sent him a hundred bucks. Did you really? Good for you. Yeah. So look, he runs that business on a very limited, I mean, it's a small budget. The amount of subscribers that he has that pay him three bucks a month is not a huge salary for him. And it's his full-time job. It's what he does. And it's a huge effort to archive and build, not only build the archive, but he's adding new stuff all the time. Um, So it's a huge effort. And then once a year, he does this one week long fund drive. We are in the midst of it right now. So even if you donate or subscribe for three bucks a month, consider throwing Matt another little bonus to get him through the rest of the year and support the work. Yeah, no, for sure. And and like I said, I did that and I agree with what you said. And and in addition to that, in the same vein, I subscribed to the Surfer's Journal, which I hadn't subscribed to in a couple of years. I resubscribed because I want to support the print world. And I bought a couple of issues of Andrew Kidman's um, print Acetone. magazine down Acetone. in Austria. Yeah, Acetone. And they're sitting here uh, in my, in my uh, dining room. How good is and that cover? And there's actually a pretty good interview with Tom Curran. And, and I'm pretty psyched on it. So yeah. um, I just kind of gazed through it, but I'm about to open it up and look at it. So support the print, support Matt Warshaw, if you feel so inclined, and do some more reading. Read some books. We want, and, and have your kids read books and, and become a, a member of a book club. I mean, honestly, support the things that you want to see exist. And what I would say about Kidman and Warshaw specifically is that you will see the benefit of your investment in them. Like if they have funding, they're going to use it to generate better, more content and better content in 2021. And what that often means is just delegating out some responsibilities. Like if Matt could have somebody make his little videos for him rather than him sitting there trying to learn how to use Final Cut on his own, he would be freed up to write. No, I think that's what he wants to do. I think he likes to do it. That's the one thing I think he enjoys doing is making those video edits. Well, but then I, could be wrong. I, picked, I don't know that, I, but maybe I picked the wrong example. What my right. suggestion is that free right. up Warshaw to write and do the things that he is great at and the, all this tedious stuff. Okay. Accounting bookkeeping, yes. he should yes. farm out, you know? And farm. so having an extra little bit of change in the coffers allows you to make business decisions like that. And we're at a point where we've seen the worst happen. We've seen surfer magazine go away. So support those whose content you enjoy that you want to see more of in 2021. Men's journal, perhaps. (laughs) If you don't want men's journal, don't send them money. Okay. Well, look, um, I, that's all I've got. I've got a heart out here until next week when we'll talk about survival, this new game that we believe, at least I believe Trump's fantasy surfer. Fantasy Surfer is gone, I guess. Yes, uh, <laughs> There's no Surfer magazine. It's anyway, called Fantasy Men's Journal now. 
Went to manscaping. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to, you and I are going to talk next week a little bit about survival, the survival league that uh, my friend Taylor is making here. So anyway, until next time, adios and aloha. Trouble trend, present, best and beyond Though you weren't with us too long That was the most precious thing we could lose While you were here, the fun was never-ending Life a minute was only beginning Taste of that you turned this one for you Yeah.